back in the days BC, before children, long before COVID, we used to hang out with close friends a lot. And often our plans would start with dinner and carry on well into the evening. Many times we had marathon conversations into the night with close friends. We enjoyed their company and we developed an, an unusual tradition, long goodbyes. After a great evening, one of us would look at the clock and suddenly realize it was really late. Time to wrap things up. Then we'd spend 10, 15, 20 minutes or longer standing at the door talking. Long goodbyes were common. Now, you've probably noticed by now, because we've been in our series since the end of January, that Romans is a long letter. In fact, it's the longest of Paul's letters, which is understandable when we read the complex material Paul wanted this church to understand. And so it shouldn't surprise us that Paul is going to take a long time to say goodbye to them. Paul had never been to Rome. He hadn't planted this church. So why does he write such a lengthy letter? I think it's because he had, he had a huge heart for them. It was in his heart for them to know the gospel, not just know how to enter a living relationship with Jesus, but to understand how they fit into God's plan and how it would transform them. As we get into the last part of chapter 15 today, I want you to listen to Paul's heart. It's the heart of a missionary. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, speak to our hearts today as we hear Paul's for his people and for you and for the gospel. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at some point, as Paul's letters were being, was being read, Paul's letters being read and studied in the church at Rome, I'm sure there were probably people there thinking, why is Paul writing all of this? And, and why hasn't he visited us yet? And so, in his closing comments to them, Paul's actually going to tell them why he hadn't visited yet. So, let's start our reading today, chapter 15, verse 14. Let's read from there. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done, by the power of signs and wonders and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you.
Paul tells the Romans that he didn't come to them to, to give them new knowledge, but that they would understand more deeply the truth that they already know and were starting to practice. And he recognizes that this, these are not novices. They aren't. They aren't. They're full of goodness. They're filled with knowledge and competent to instruct each other. And so Paul's calling, though, is, is to the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, specifically to take the gospel to the Gentiles so they might be an acceptable offering to the Lord. And this is why he has the liberty to speak so boldly to them. I mean, think about it. You're in, say you're in the church in Rome. You've probably heard about Paul, but you've never met him. And suddenly here he is coming along and saying, here's what you need to do. It seems a little odd that it takes him until almost the end of the letter to explain why he's written. But he does want them to know and understand. He sees his role as a sacred trust. And Paul pictures himself as a priest. And through the gospel, he is a priest offering the Gentile converts as a sacrifice acceptable to God. And I wonder if this is why he chose those words when he encouraged them to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God at the beginning of Romans 12. So he sees himself in a, in a role as a sacred trust, but his role is also to see, not that the Gentiles just know, but the Gentiles obey God. He doesn't take credit for what he's accomplished. Everything that happens, he says, is a product of God's own work. And Paul is not going to boast in any of it, he says, except what Jesus has done through him by what he has said and done, along with signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. And through Paul, the gospel has been preached all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. If you look on the map here, you can see that this task actually took him three journeys. Three journeys. Illyricum was a Roman province in what today is Albania and parts of the former Yugoslavia. It's up in this area. Uh, just above Thessalonica on our map. Uh, today, actually, we call this area the Dalmatian coast. But Paul says he fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ throughout this area. He uses a Greek word, plerao, which means, it literally translates, to fulfill. In other words, he's saying that for this whole region, this whole region, it's mission accomplished. He's established thriving, reproducing churches throughout that region. And he's ready to move on. But that raises a question. Why move on? Why not stay and build up the churches in these regions? That's a fair question. But if Paul had wanted to do that, he wouldn't have been a missionary. Paul's God-ordained mission was to preach the gospel where Jesus was not known. By the way, there's nothing wrong with building on someone else's foundation. If you're a pastor, that's what you've probably done. I've built on someone else's foundation. This church is 110 years old. There have been many pastors building on this foundation. 
But Paul's call was to go into new territory and, and reveal the good news to people who hadn't been told before and who hadn't heard the good news. And so this is Paul explaining why he hadn't made it to Rome yet. He was finishing up what he started. This, verse 22, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that the gospel has been fully proclaimed in these areas, it's time for a new road trip. New travel plans. And he says, now there's nothing left for him to do in those areas. Nothing hindering him from leaving. And so he's free to take the gospel to new areas. So let's read another section of this uh, chapter. We'll start here at verse 23. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, Macedonia, Achaia, up to Illyricum, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Nothing like inviting yourself over for a few days. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings... They owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So, after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. So Paul plans... He's got three destinations on his travel plans. First, Jerusalem. On his third missionary journey, Paul had asked the Gentile churches in that region to contribute to the believers in Jerusalem because they were in desperate need of help. And the churches from Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to help. They stepped up. Their hearts were touched for their brothers and sisters in need. The phrase in, in verse 26, when Paul, Paul describes this, he says they were pleased to make a contribution. The word he uses for contribution here might surprise you. It's the Greek word koinonia, which is our usual word for fellowship or community. What's he saying? That sending money to help the Jerusalem believers was an expression of fellowship, of the unity of the greater body of believers. It's interesting that he's telling the Roman church about this, and we'll see the reason in a moment. So the second destination on Paul's itinerary is Rome. And Paul has two reasons to come to Rome, or to go to Rome. The first is, well, in a sense, it's a negative one. There's nothing holding him back any longer. He's no longer being hindered. He's done everything he can and needs to do in those other areas. The second reason is simply he longs to see them. I mean, he's a missionary, but he's a pastor. He wants to encourage them 
and he wants to do it in person. He wants to see who he's been writing to and talking about. And so it's as though he's saying, well, here's the good news, Romans. I'm coming to you. Only before I do, I have to go to Jerusalem. Oh, and uh, I'm not going to spend long with you because, well, well, frankly, you already know the gospel. The gospel has been preached to you already. But I hope to see you as I'm passing through on my way to my next destination, which is Spain. Parts of Spain had been occupied by the Romans as early as 200 BC, but it only became a Roman province in the first century AD. And Paul thinks it would be a great place for a church planting ministry. Which brings us to the reason he speaks of the generosity of the Gentile churches in Macedonia. The Macedonians and Achaeans shared in the spiritual blessings of being God's people along with the Jewish people. And they jumped at the chance to share their material blessing with the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. And so the principle that Paul is passing on to the Romans here, the principle is pass on the blessing. Pass on the blessing. What he's really doing here is he's asking the Romans to assist him on his journey to Spain. Yeah, he's, he's raising support. The word assist was used throughout the book of Acts in the context of supporting missionary activity. And assisting Paul in his future ministry would be a way that the Roman church could do something every church should do, help spread the gospel. It's really the mission of all churches. It's the Great Commission lived out in local congregations. But delivering the offering in person to Jerusalem was the last item that Paul wanted to complete in his ministry from those previous journeys. And I think he wanted to accompany it in person because he had made some commitments and statements about them to the church in Jerusalem. And he wanted to be there and let them know, fellas, this is what I was talking about. They're your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But once he had done that, he could let out a big sigh of relief and turn his attention forward. So the final thing he asks of the Roman church is this. Yes, it's for prayer. Let's finish our reading. Verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. And so he has prayer requests for them. First one, simply this. He asks safety while traveling to Jerusalem. You know, the Romans had done a pretty good job of making travel safe throughout their empire. But robberies still took place. But Paul was asking safety for a different reason. 
the unbelievers in Judea, the Jewish people who had rejected the message of Jesus, the gospel, were particularly hostile toward Paul because he had opened the doors of God's family to Gentiles. Can you believe it? Of course we can. <laughs> That's us. But if you want to know how hostile they were, the account of Paul's journey to Jerusalem is found in the book of Acts, chapters 21 and 22. And it took place late in A.D. 57. And Acts, those chapters show that Paul's fears were justified. Uh, the unbelieving people of Judea went ballistic went over Paul, accusing him of fal falsely of bringing uncircumcised Gentiles into the temple. And it resulted in a riot. And the riot ended up with Paul being imprisoned and ultimately appealing to Caesar for justice, which led to his transport to Rome as a prisoner. So he, he made it to Rome, but not in the way he expected. That was the first request. The second request was that the offering would be received favorably by the Judean church. And you might be thinking, why would a church turn down money? But Paul knew there were elements in that Jerusalem church that might think that this offering was unclean because it came from Gentiles. Not all the Jewish believers got that memo that God was accepting the Gentiles in the same way that God had accepted them. And so that's his prayer requests. But I like that Paul ends his prayer requests with a prayer for the Romans themselves. The God of peace be with you all. You know, it isn't often in a sermon that our topic is somebody's travel plans. By the way, did I tell you about my great vacation last year? <laughs> no, it's not about that. Rarely. But these ones clearly reveal Paul's missionary heart. And, and much of the detail here is, is certainly specific to Paul only, his call, his ministry, his past activity, and his future plans. But hidden in them are three things that we can take away that still apply to us today. The first is this. Successful ministry is God's doing, not our doing. As he retold his story to the Roman church, Paul, you notice, gives all the credit for his ministry to the Lord. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. He gets, that's verse 18. He gives all the glory to God. God chose him. God prepared him. God gave him his ministry. God empowered him to do it. Everything he did, and he would tell you this too, is by God's grace. Why is this important to remember? Simply this, when good things happen in our ministry, it's a little too easy to take credit for it. So instead, be like Paul. Yes, God works through us, but it is God at work who causes the success. 
So guard against pride. It sneaks in. We start thinking, boy, hey Lord, I really served you good today. I served you well. <laughs> Dangerous thoughts. So that's the first thing to remember. The second is this, and it's to do with giving. Giving is two things. It's, it's voluntary, but it is also uh, a requirement. It's also an obligation. Paul taught that those who were blessed by the Jewish people, in other words, the Gentiles, owed it to them to share with them, especially when they knew they were in need. And at the same time, Paul noted that as soon as they found out about the need, they, were, they couldn't wait. They were pleased to give. You know, sometimes God speaks directly to our hearts when, when, we, when we hear of someone who needs help. And, and we're just moved by that, to open our hearts and open our wallets. Other times, it takes an Apostle Paul or a missionary appeal to move us. We can't repay what the Lord has done for us. It's impossible. But we do have a responsibility to give back to the Lord a portion of what he has given us. And this is the reason that we freely give to the ministry of our church and to other ministries, especially those who contend for the gospel locally or across the world. Maybe an analogy to... We have to balance, there's a tension here between free will, voluntary, and responsibility and obligation. There's a, there's a tension there. So here's an analogy. I have an obligation to be a good dad to my kids. I owe it to them. To them. But I also take great pleasure in being a good dad. I want to be a good dad. And because I love my kids, it isn't a burden to do it. It's a privilege. The same thing holds true with our Christian giving. There's one more takeaway that we can't miss, and it's, of course, the one that Paul finished this chapter with. We must pray for people in ministry. Paul, even Paul, Perhaps the greatest of the apostles needed the prayer support of God's people. He had the humility to ask. He didn't demand it. He asked in humility, knowing he needed it. And so I think if Paul, who had this unique ministry and mission, still needed others to pray for him, what about us? We need the prayers of God's people probably far more than Paul needed them. But the Lord empowers us through the prayers of his people. And most of us have experienced that. We know prayer is powerful and effective. I found this slide after I chose my title, so I guess my title isn't really unique for this passage. Um, Paul's missionary heart just, just pours out of him every time he writes. He, he gets excited every time he preaches and people respond. He's delighted when people grow and when they mature. 
and when they give in, and when they give in order to expand God's kingdom. And he, he's, he's impassioned, and he's unapologetic about asking for support to further the gospel. Now, his was a unique ministry, but reaching unreached people groups is still needed today. Ethnos, formerly known as New Tribes Mission, Wycliffe, those are two names that immediately come to mind of groups that are doing this. But, but whether it's ministry to unreached groups or ministry to those who have been reached but do not have the scriptures in their own language, like Wycliffe, or ministering and serving people to help them grow and mature in Christ in a, in a regular church setting to the point where they send people to start more churches, the heart of a missionary is what we need. A heart to go or to sow and to grow those that God is bringing into the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. All those things we sang about. But theirs is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so grateful to you that you, you called the Apostle Paul, you empowered him, you gave him ministry to reach unreached peoples, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, us. We are here today because of the faithfulness of Paul and the faithfulness of those who followed from the churches he started and grew to maturity and released into ministry, who then started other churches until the gospel spread like wildfire, first around the Mediterranean and all across Europe and eventually around the world. And so today we say, Lord, thank you for the heart of this missionary that you gave to us. Thank you, Lord, for the heart of the missionaries who carry on this, this assignment today. We bless and thank you for them. And give us that kind of heart, Lord, that kind of passion to reach those who do not let yet know you with the gospel message. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us again. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to, to pass on, please uh, email us at these one of these two addresses and if we can address them for you. If we can be helpful, then by all means, please contact us. God bless you and have a great week. Thank <laughs> you.